The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Calvin Ridley reinstated this week after serving his gambling suspension. He wrote a letter for the Players' Tribune detailing the struggles he was having during the time he bet on games. Part of the letter read, and why would you do this to me and make that? Do you expect me not to say the word? I effed up. <laughs> I'm not here to sugarcoat anything. In 2021, I made the worst mistake of my life by gambling on football. I know I have a debt to pay back to the game, but when you all talk about the name Calvin Ridley in 10, 20, 30 years, I'm going to make sure it rings out for the right reason. And that's good. That's good. And look, it happened. And the problem is we're carrying around these these devices. And uh, by all appearances, one of the NFL sportsbook partners ratted on him. He, he used his phone. He placed a bet. He shouldn't have done it. It was stupid. It's hypocritical. The NFL making all this money off of gambling, but thou shalt not gamble. And I know every time I say that, well, they, they are allowed to make those rules. They're the NFL. If they don't like it, they should go do something else. I don't care. It's still hypocritical that they're making millions and millions and millions from sports books and thou shalt not bet. Miles Austin got thrown out of the league for a year as the Jets receivers coach for betting on basketball. So, I, I, again, I know that's the rule. Calvin Ridley did it. He, he served his time, and now he comes back, and he, he makes the Jaguars better if he plays like he did before he had the health issues that contributed to him not being with the Falcons that gave him the occasion and the opportunity to place the wager that got him suspended for a year. He, it, was, it may have been one of the smartest trades the Jaguars ever made, completely unexpected, Trade deadline last year, boom, Ridley becomes a Jaguar, and now he's back. And the Jaguars at a time when everything feels good anyway, feels even better for the Jaguars that he's back. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge acquisition for them, and they really didn't have to give up very much for who we know is somebody who we know is, is a talented receiver. Uh, but I, I think it's not just that, you know, he did all that stuff. It's that he's taken accountability for it. And so reading through that player's tribune piece, I mean, that, to me, that was a lot better than some of those players tribune pieces that they put out there. And that's not necessarily disrespect anybody else, but it's just the truth. I mean, it, wow. they're players like tribune, a memoir. catching strays, catching well, strays. I mean, Go ahead. I don't know. I mean, it's just the way it is, man. Like that read like a memoir. I read a lot of memoirs and that, that you really feel like 
you got a chance to know what Calvin Ridley's story was. And he wasn't necessarily making excuses, but I think he was explaining how he got to the point where he was at. And, you know, when you do something like that, it creates a lot of empathy. And I think it takes courage. You know, it takes courage to lay out what your family history is, as he did. It takes courage to really say what it was that you were going through and explain how you got to the point where you bleeped up, right? Where you made what you term the worst mistake of your life. And so now he is coming back from that. And I think it's a really cool redemption story because it's not like he did something that was completely detrimental to other folks, right? You know, he did something that was detrimental to himself. He owns it. He takes accountability for it. And now he's ready to make up for it. So, I, you know, I'm rooting for Calvin Ridley. I am. Anytime I hear the word memoir now, I'm reminded of the alternative pronunciation I first became aware of in the great film Burn After Reading, where John Malkovich repeatedly calls it memoir. And <laughs> it was something that was repeated in the excellent show Shrinking, on Apple TV, Harrison Ford says mm. memoir as well. And Jason Siegel busted him on it and eventually said something along the lines of tell Papa to say hi to memoir or something like that. So I didn't deliver it nearly as well as Jason Siegel did. That is an excellent show, by the way. Highly recommend it to anyone out there, even though it's not on Peacock. That I'm probably going to get in more trouble for that than if I had <laughs> dropped the F-bomb earlier on Calvin Ridley. Okay, so uh, Calvin Ridley Back, hasn't played in a game since October 24, 2021. But when you look at the weapons the Jaguars have, when you look at where Trevor Lawrence currently is and where the arrow is pointing, what Doug Peterson's done with him, another reason for excitement in Jacksonville. Confusion reigns as it relates to the future of DeAndre Hopkins. It feels like he's on the way out in Arizona. No one knows where he's going to go. Here is DeAndre Hopkins, not Aaron Rodgers, but DeAndre Hopkins on Pat McAfee's show talking about the rumors regarding his future destination. You know, I've been hearing a lot of trade talks, but, you know, I, I take things day for day, man. I don't look forward to the future. I live in the present moment. And right now, the Arizona Cardinals is, uh, you know, is the team and the roster that I'm on. And, uh, you know, I'm preparing myself uh, for whatever the future holds. <laughs> you know, he, he, he's, he's, uh, he's heard him, himself connected yeah. to the Cowboys repeatedly. Yes. And, um, it, it, look, Bottom line is, if you're going to acquire DeAndre Hopkins, same as um, Jalen Ramsey, Derrick Henry, one of the reasons guys are available is they want new contracts. So you got to be ready to go. You got to be ready to pay DeAndre Hopkins. I think that's at the root of it. He wants one last bite at the apple. And that's, I'm not saying he shouldn't. I'm just saying you got to go into this clear eyed. You got to understand you trade for Jalen Ramsey, better be ready to pay him. Trade for Derrick Henry, better be ready to pay him. Trade for DeAndre Hopkins, better be ready to pay him. So you better have an idea what he wants before you ever do that deal, Miles. Yeah, clear eyes, full hearts can't lose, right? Isn't that some show or some movie or something like that, right? Uh, I think DeAndre Hopkins is an interesting case because he's about to turn 31 in June. Uh, in he's not a bad receiver. You look at the quarterback play that he got last year. I mean, it, it's Kyler Murray and Colt McCoy. Like, it's not really that exciting. So... Look, he averaged almost 80 yards a game. He had only played nine games because, of course, he was suspended for PEDs. I mean, nine games still had 717 yards. He can help a team, I'm sure. But it's not like he's going to be 2017 to, let's say, 2020 DeAndre Hopkins where he's getting, you know, 1,200-plus yards per year. I don't necessarily think you're going to get that. 
but you're still going to get a productive DeAndre Hopkins. His hands aren't going to go away. His route running ability is not going to go away all of a sudden. So if you need somebody to help take pressure off of another receiver, if you're the Cowboys, you want somebody to help take pressure off of C.D. Lamb, hell yeah, DeAndre Hopkins is a great option for you. $22.6 million will be the cap charge if he's traded before June 1 by the Arizona Cardinals. But his cap hit, if he's on the team this year, is $30.75 million. He's due to make $19.45 million this year in cash. And that's the key. We're a year removed from the receiver market going haywire. And it doesn't matter that his average under his contract was $27.5. What matters is this year he's making nineteen four. Don't tell me about the average. Those, those checks have been cashed, and I'm, I would right. be the same way. All I know is yeah. I'm making nineteen four this year, and the market may go past 30 by the time 2023 is all said and done. So he's going to be looking for that new deal, and uh, the Cardinals are going to be eating some major cap space. But a $20 million cap charge is not what it used to be as the salary cap goes higher and higher above $200 million per year, but it feels like it's just a matter of time before DeAndre Hopkins moves on. Also in Arizona, receiver Chosen Anderson, which is the new name selected by Robbie Anderson, he has been officially released. That clears up $12 million in cap space. So there's $12 million of the $22 million they'd have to eat to trade DeAndre Hopkins. The problem is there's two receivers out the door for the Arizona Cardinals, which isn't as big of a problem when you don't know who the hell your quarterback's going to be. Who cares? We don't have great receivers. We don't have anybody to throw to them. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the Cardinals are going to be crappy anyway. So, I mean, what does it really matter, you know, that they're getting rid of two receivers? But, I mean, look, Anderson was not good for them. They gave up assets to get him. And what did he catch? Uh, Five passes for 21 yards in 10 games. That is awful. So, I mean, the fact that they're clearing $12 million in cap space after getting rid of that production, I mean, I mean that, that's a no-brainer. Are you kidding me? That's awful. It's just terrible. Yeah, and uh, it, it's unfortunate, but it didn't work. And, and rarely does it work when you take a veteran receiver with a big name and the expectations that go along with it, fairly big name. I mean, it's not like he's a top-10 guy. Big but, name. But, you know, it was, it was significant. It was, uh, how about a... How about a medium name? You take a medium name guy. There are some expectations that come with him. Okay, fine. But my point is this. It's not easy to jump onto the moving car when you're a receiver. It's a different offense. It's a different everything. It's not easy. It's Unless they are specifically designing plays for you. Mike, it's easier than five passes for 21 yards in 10 games. What did Odell Beckham Jr. do last year when he went to the Rams? He was going to be the MVP of the Super Bowl. Is he he a medium name? Is Odell Beckham Jr.? No, he's not. You're not going to put him in the same category as Robbie Anderson. I know, but you're saying five five catches, 21 yards in 10 games, Mike. This is not, and I mean, like, I, I like Robbie Anderson. I've dealt with Robbie Anderson on a professional level when he was with the Panthers, and I was with the Panthers briefly. But, like, come Apparently on. Apparently, you have. I'm not. Apparently, I mean, you have. Apparently, not, it didn't go well. No, it was fine. I, I, I liked my interactions with Robbie Anderson, but I'm not going to justify five catches for 21 yards in 10 games with, uh, it's tough to break in when you're, no, it's not that hard. It can't be that hard. It, 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 it's not easy for a receiver to come into an offense that he doesn't know unless they are showcasing him. There was no evidence that they were even trying to showcase him. This may have been just part Fine. of the disconnect of the past regime. Maybe Cliff Kingsbury wanted nothing to do with Robbie Anderson. We've seen that time and again. The front office yes. makes a move. Okay. 
that the coaching staff didn't want, and you, and you barely used the guy. It's not like he was out on the field waving his arms wide open. He, he was, I don't think he was on the field. If we looked at his playtime percentage, I don't think he even had many opportunities. Again, I don't know why I'm suddenly defending this guy I've never even met or even spoken to in my life. My point is sometimes our expectations are a little high when a receiver changes teams in the middle of the season. And uh, clearly, whatever expectations there were for Robbie Anderson, they clearly were too high because I don't think anybody expected five catches by Robbie Anderson. So uh, bottom line is Cardinals clear up some cap space, gives them some flexibility to move on from DeAndre Hopkins, and it feels like they will. All right, we're going to play a game of what's more likely when this Thursday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All the Bears social media team wins the day for March 8th. That came up yesterday. 50 days till the draft. Bears social media team and user 23928 telling us who to draft. The Michael Scott. Um, Ed Truck was the former boss. Ed Truck from The Office. Also, what's the actor's name? He started in the White Shadow. Ken something. He's no longer with us, just like Ed Truck. Ed Truck decapitated in a car accident, by the way, on The Office. I don't know how. Ken, I can't remember Ken's last name. I feel bad now. Ken Howard. Ken Howard. Thank you, Courtney. I wasn't getting any help from Miles because he, he, this is all stuff that happened before he was born. So it didn't happen if it happened before Miles was born. All right. Uh, Bears with the number one overall pick. Let's start our round of what's more likely with a question about the number one overall pick. What's more likely, or more accurately, who's more likely to make that trade up to number one? The Colts or the Panthers? Between the two, I know there are other options. Between those two options, who's more likely, Colts or Panthers? I, I feel like it's the Colts right now, and, and partially because you've got a GM, Chris Ballard, who may or may not be on the hot seat, and I think you've got a more impatient owner there than you might have in David Tepper when it comes to finding that quarterback in this particular draft class, right? So that's why I kind of think it would be the Colts, and I think it would be easier for the Bears to accept a trade down to number four overall than it would be for them to accept a trade down to number nine overall, right? If they were to get, say, the Texans to trade up to number one overall, which I know is not the question that we're asking right now, but 
say that the Bears were then at two, then they could go down to four or they could go down to nine because they're picking up more and more assets. So right now I feel like it's the Colts, Mike. I'm fascinated by the possibility, as I said earlier this week, of the Bears going down to two with the Texans, four with the Colts, and then as far as nine with the Panthers because Ryan Poles, the GM of the Bears, told Peter King over the weekend they've got six or eight guys that they have that that blue rating on, guys that will come in and be impact mm-hmm. players. And if four quarterbacks get taken before you pick at nine, do the math. One of those guys is available because one of those players you want isn't a quarterback. So right. uh, I could see multiple trades. Between the two, it's funny. Probably the only thing David Tepper, the owner of the Panthers, and Jim Irsay, the owner of the Colts, have in common is they are prone to being very impulsive. Because um, I could see Tepper after years of trying to get a franchise quarterback and none of them want to play for the Panthers, finally saying, the hell with it, we're going all in. Hedge fund manager, I'm making my big bet. Let's go to number one. I could see him doing that, and I could see Ursay doing it. He was already blabbing about Bryce Young during the Shane Steichen introductory press conference, I'm sure to the dismay of Chris Ballard. So I, I think they both are going to be tempted to do it. I think the Colts are more likely because you don't have to go as far to get there. The farther you have to go, the more it's going to cost. I can see the Panthers striking five, six, seven range, five or six specifically, because I think the I don't think the Seahawks are taking a quarterback. I think they're going to talk about taking a quarterback, so they'll get the Raiders at seven, Falcons at eight, Panthers at nine to come up, because they may think mm-hmm. all we have to do is go to six to cut the line in front of the quarterback potential needy teams. I could see the Seahawks saying, no, 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 we're going to take a quarterback unless you make us an offer we can't refuse, and then we'll give you this spot. But Colts to one, Panthers to maybe five. That's what I think uh, could happen. All right, what's more likely in this arena? Lamar Jackson hires an agent or sits out all of the 2023 season. What's more likely to you, Miles? I mean, I I would hope that he hires an agent because I don't want to go through a season without seeing Lamar Jackson. I mean, Mike, this thought occurred to me last night. Why hasn't Lamar Jackson just hired David Mulugeta? If guaranteed money is the issue and we see that Mulgad has negotiated the deal for Deshaun Watson, isn't it kind of like, oh, David, I've seen what you've done for others. Please, won't you do that for me? Oh, why hasn't he done that? I, I, I don't know. All this stuff about the Lamar Jackson situation absolutely baffles me, whether it is him not having an agent, him getting non-exclusive franchise tag, and you know, team after team after team leaking. Oh, we don't want this guy. Eh, he's 2019 MVP. Bleep it. I don't want him. Whatever. Eh, I need a franchise quarterback, and I supplicated myself at the feet of Deshaun Watson last year. No way do I want Lamar Jackson. No, no, no. So I don't know. Maybe it is that he sits out the 2023 season because he feels disrespected, and probably he should. David Mulugeta is the guy who engineered the Deshaun Watson deal last year. He's with Athletes First. CAA is the other major quarterback firm. And I've refrained from naming names, Miles, because the problem is I'm going to draw the line somewhere, and whoever is on the other side of it is going to be wearing me out for the rest of the day. So thank you for lighting that fuse. Thank you very much for starting me down that path and consuming maybe two or three hours of my day today. But I've said this all along. It doesn't take many phone calls if you're Lamar Jackson to find out who the best agents are. Part of the problem, though, is he's been working with the NFLPA, and there's a, a mindset within the union that they want players to do it themselves because there's a degree of acrimony between union management and agents generally. 
and they've tried to <laughs> extend olive branches, but but that there's a deeper battle going on here because okay. the agents have power and influence over the players. The union wants to have the power and influence over the players. That that's the the battle within the battle, and that may be one of the reasons why Jackson doesn't have an agent. I think it's more likely he sits out the season than hires an agent because there's no way he's hiring an agent at this point. It's become a point of pride. He's not going to admit he was wrong. And hiring an agent, in his mind, would be admitting he was wrong to not have one all along. And the 2023 season, sitting it out, not many dominoes have to fall to get to that point. Okay, We're already past the first big one, $32.4 million non-exclusive franchise tag. Teams aren't going to pursue him by all appearances. I know all it takes is one, but we've already seen this cascade of we're not interested, we're not interested, we're not interested. If nobody signs him to an offer sheet, he doesn't have a long-term contract because once he signs the offer sheet, he either plays for that team or the Ravens match it. So he's in for 2023. So let's say we get to July 15, the deadline for signing him to a long-term deal if you're the Ravens, and they just don't work it out. Why would we think they're going to work it out? They haven't worked one out in two and a half years for crying out loud. Why are they going to work one out by July 15? So we get to July 16, 32.4 million is what his salary would be under the franchise tag. And that's the point where I would advise Lamar Jackson, if he were my client, my son, my cousin, my brother, my nephew, my friend, I would say, don't play for 32.4 million. You tell them you want the 45 that they should have put on you back in March. They're playing a game with your life here, man. Tell them you're not playing for anything less than $45 million. I, yeah. I don't think there's many steps, not nearly as many as people would think, or fewer than people would think, sorry, to get to the point where he's just out for 2023. I, I, and we've seen it with Le'Veon Bell. So we've already, we've already crossed that bridge. It shouldn't surprise anybody if it happens. And it would be for a different reason. But I, I, I will not be flabbergasted if Lamar Jackson doesn't play in 2023 because we are farther down the road to that happening than I think we, we appreciate at this point. Oh, yeah. No, but Mike, I mean, you and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. It, it, there was a question on the, you know, one of the PFTPMs we did. It, you know, is it a possibility that Lamar Jackson sits out in 2023? And the answer is absolutely yes. And yeah, I, I think that you're right. It's not, you know, too far from A to Z to get there, right? We're already maybe on like, D C E or whatever. I don't know. I just messed up the alphabet. Oh no. But I think it's just, it's a weird thing right now where you have Lamar Jackson in this situation and you just saw what happened with Daniel Jones. Right. And he's got a deal that will give him basically 37 and a half million right over the next few years. And then Lamar Jackson is now right now, as we speak set to make 32, it's just not right. And you know, there have been a lot of things that have happened that have gotten us to this point. But from here to there, uh, it, it's just it's not that far. I wonder how many more quarterbacks have to get contracts that aren't fully guaranteed before Lamar Jackson surrenders his position. And I thought maybe he was the leak to Stephen A. Smith from Lamar's camp from two weeks ago today that we heard about 13 days ago that Lamar never asked for a fully guaranteed contract. I thought that was kind of a way to distance from the idea of fully guaranteed contract because again it becomes a point of pride it, it don't want to hire an agent because you don't want to admit you were wrong to not have an agent 
don't want to back off your demand for a fully guaranteed contract because you don't want to admit you were wrong to want one all along and you should have taken maybe, not maybe, probably if not definitely the offer that the Ravens put on the table last year. But it felt like maybe he was looking for a way to back off. Now he's never going to find out if none of these teams engage him in conversation because they all assume he wants a five-year fully guaranteed contract. That would be the irony here if I'm using the word properly and I never know if I am, um, of him not getting any phone calls. They think he wants a fully guaranteed five-year contract, so they're not calling him. Maybe he wants something else now, and there's no way to let anyone know because, back to the original point, he doesn't have an agent to aggressively, proactively contact these teams to say, it could be worth your while to engage me in a conversation about Lamar Jackson. So this is a mess, and I feel bad for the kid because – and, and you know, Chris and I had a spirited debate yesterday about Lamar Jackson. It is fair to say this, and I say this at the risk of having another clip being put on social media with Lamar Jackson retweeting it with a gif, but it's his own fault. At a certain point, and look, I, I, I give a lot of these guys who are 25, 24, 23, 22 the benefit of the doubt because my son is 26, and I, I, to me, the older my son gets, the younger his age seems to me. So I can see myself in 10 years saying, God, he's only 35. What do we expect him to do? But at a certain point, you are grown-ass man. At a certain point, you are responsible for the decisions you've made. At a certain point, it is fair for us to say, Lamar, this is all your fault. The fact that you don't have a long-term deal, the fact that you haven't gotten your financial reward for the things you've done in the NFL – this is your fault. You were penny wise and pound foolish. You're being stubborn now. You continue to make bad decisions for your own financial future. This is your fault. At some point, it's fair to say that. And based upon how the next few weeks play out, we're probably at the point where it's more than fair to say that. Well, thank you, Control Room, for putting my face back on the screen. So now when Mike gets retweeted, I'm going to be retweeted, too, and everybody's going to associate that with me. <laughs> Am I wrong? Like, I Am I wrong? Well, look, Mike, I mean, I think – I mean, I, I do think that – and I've said this before – this situation probably would have been avoided if Lamar Jackson had an agent because the agent never would have let Lamar Jackson step on the field in his fourth season without a new contract, right? Josh Allen got a new deal that offseason. And if Josh Allen gets a new deal and he's not won an MVP and this player has won an MVP, then he shouldn't be stepping on the field without hey. a new contract that pays him more than Josh Allen. I mean, that's just, that's always the way I've thought about it. So this should have been done years ago and Lamar Jackson should never have been playing on the contract that gave him whatever it gave him in the 20 millions, right? For his fifth year option. That thing should have been ripped up. He won an MVP award already. He should never be playing for ostensibly $32 million. That thing should have been ripped up. It never should have gotten to this point. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, whether it's the Ravens saying, you know, he wouldn't engage with us and we were trying and he didn't want to do it. He was focused on football. And now we are at this point where we're at. I mean, I think, yeah, sure. Part of it goes to the Ravens too for not just acquiescing and giving him whatever he wanted. But if you're constructing a team, you can't just always do that. Right. The Ravens are not in as a desperate position as the Browns were last offseason to give Lamar Jackson that kind of contract. Right. So 
this is where we are. And I, I don't really know what the solution is at this point, especially if other teams are saying that they are not interested in Lamar Jackson, which again, still baffles me whether or not you think that he wants a fully guaranteed contract. I don't know if you're the Carolina Panthers and all it takes is an offer sheet and two first round picks to potentially get Lamar Jackson. If you're, if you're the Atlanta Falcons and that's all it takes with the Washington commanders, really? I I just, you're not going to engage with him because that, I I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I still think the commanders are in play for a variety of reasons that we've previously discussed, but I want to, I want to address two things that you said. And I'm going to work backward. As it relates to the Ravens, they have a track record of doing fair deals with players. I don't think this is on them. And they did did a deal with Roquan Smith, who was self-represented. Now, I also kind of think that maybe they went a little overboard to get the Roquan Smith deal done so they could say, see, see, we know how to negotiate with a guy who represents himself. But regardless. Which DaCosta basically did at the Combine, by the way. Yeah. Right. They, They have a track record of doing fair deals and building a team. You mentioned Josh Allen. I'm going to see your Josh Allen, and I'm going to raise you a Kyler Murray. Hell yeah. Because think about last year. When you said, when you said, he's not setting foot on the field in year four, that's exactly the vibe that his agent put out there. He's not playing. And and it didn't come initially from the agent. It came from a reporter because the agent said it to a reporter. That's why you need an agent, Lamar, because the agent calls the reporter and says, my client's not setting foot on the field. This year, go ahead and write it. Don't quote me. Don't quote me, but go ahead and write it because you won't be wrong. He's not playing for five million dollars this year. And then you get the Eric Burkhart, Ted Kaczynski, Unabomber manifesto. Remember that thing that he needed a magnifying glass to read that he put How on Twitter? Get this. My God, I still have a headache from trying to read that freaking thing. But that's Ew. what you get. You get the all out assault from an agent who can go and see now we've named CAA athletes first, Eric Burkhardt. At least I've dropped. Now somebody on the other side of that bubble is going to say, why didn't you mention me? You mentioned all the others. Why didn't you mention my name? Uh, so thanks again, miles for starting us down that path. Um, but that's, that's what happens when you have an agent who aggressively pushes the agenda of the client. And this all goes back to Richard Sherman. Sorry, Richard, you can go ahead and retweet this too. Not it's it wasn't enough for Richard to just say it's Get good me enough for me to represent myself. I have to tell everybody else represent yourself. Everybody else go represent yourself. You don't need an agent. Agents bad. Self representation good. This is a prime example of the fact, especially at quarterback, you got to have an agent. You got to have somebody who maps out a strategy, implements that strategy, and gets you paid. And at a certain point, it's just this is this is the, the the stream of decisions Lamar Jackson has made, and he has to take ownership of it. When he wonders why he's at this point where he's yet to get his life changing multi generational payday, he has responsibility for it. And so back to our point, it's more likely he sits out twenty twenty three and doesn't make anything this calendar year from playing football than hiring an agent. But the best move for him would be to hire an agent. All right, let's take a break. When we return, a quarterback who does have an agent and has made a lot of money 
possibly more than his skill set and his ability or availability would justify. Jimmy Garoppolo, which teams may be giving his agent a phone call as free agency approaches? We'll discuss that next year on PFT Live. I would point to the end of last year. Now, unfortunately, we had to go through um, three quarterbacks last year, but I mean, we had Mr. Irrelevant um, who, who did one heck of a job, but play for us in San Francisco and took us all the way to the NFC Championship game. So I think how you structure the entire thing, offense, that includes defense, that includes special teams, everything plays a hand in, in how it all goes together. They tell me that's uh, Texans offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick. That's a human being I've never seen before. I mean, isn't it? Isn't it just further illustration of how? I'm serious. He could walk up to me on the street and kick me in the face, and I would not know that's Bobby Slowick. But it just shows you the churn every year. Every year, new faces and names are injected into our broader NFL consciousness, and it may take a while for Bobby Slowick to get there because he's the offensive coordinator of the Houston Texans. Anyway. Um, it, it says here on the card. <laughs> yeah, please. I don't know. I'll take your word for it. Control room. So I, mean, I believe uh, that's. Bobby. I've it, never seen Bobby Slowick either, so I don't know. But yeah, that was I, funny the way you just. It put could that. be anyone. I yeah. I'm just. I don't know. I at a certain point you make the leap of faith. So, uh, uh, bottom line, yeah, you can you can find quarterbacks. It's not quite like running back where you can like throw a rock and hit a running back, but quarterbacks are out there. The reality, though, is the whole last guy in the draft becomes surprise wonderkind of the NFL. That doesn't happen very often. There's a reason the legend of Tom Brady is fueled by the fact that he was the 199th overall pick. You don't find franchise quarterbacks in round six or seven of the draft. So, yeah, you have to. You have to aim a little bit higher if you want to have a higher degree of certainty that that you're going to have a guy who can play at a high level. And th- 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 look, the Texans, it, they've got a, a blank slate. There's, there's a good thing in having that freedom to go pick your quarterback. And I feel like they just need to use that second overall pick or move up to the first overall pick. They wouldn't have had to if they, you know, not beaten the Colts in Week 18. But either way, get a young guy. Try to develop yourself another Deshaun Watson who wants to actually stay with your team after he gets his second contract. I still don't know whatever went wrong between those two. And this was all before the the stuff went off the rails as it relates to the lawsuits. The relationship between Deshaun Watson and the Texans became irreversibly poisoned just four months after he signed his second contract. So find a young guy, hope he's a franchise quarterback, and please, 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 Texans, work a little harder to have the right relationship with him. Well, yeah, and I, I think I mean, that starts with the front office and Casario, and now they've hired Jamico Ryans, and it seems like they are on at least an upward trajectory when it comes to that kind of stuff. So, I mean, like having the second overall pick is not Lovey Smith's problem, obviously, because he is no longer there. So that was a nice little parting gift from him. I, I love that he did that. I mean, the, the Texans have the ammo to move up to number one. And if I'm the Texans, I'm doing that. I mean, I, I give the Bears, I, I might overwhelm the Bears just to say, like, let me do this because if we don't have our franchise quarterback, then where are we going to be in the first place? So if they believe in Bryce Young or, or CJ Stroud or whoever, they need to go up and do it so that they make sure they get that guy.
But, you know, the counter to that is if you trade up to get that guy, you put more pressure on him. You put more pressure on yourself because you have the number one overall pick. There's something to be said for letting someone else pick first. Now, take that up with the Chargers in 1998. But there is something to be said. If you have two guys you really like, like, you know, the 49ers moved up to the third pick two years ago because they they had three at the end of the day that they really liked. We don't mind that someone else is picking one and two. We're content with number three. So there may be an assessment made that they're going to keep their trade assets. They're just going to accept whoever's there at two, and they'll make it work. Uh, But uh, regardless, it's something the Texans need to do. Now, they may not do it, or maybe they would do it as a guy who sits on the bench for a year or two if they pursue Jimmy Garoppolo. Here is the guy that they tell me is Bobby Slowick on soon-to-be free agent Jimmy Garoppolo. We have a process in everything we go through, and that's roster construction as far as free agency, as far as guys we already have here, as far as the draft, just everything together. We have a process we go through. Jimmy, obviously, is part of that process. He's going to be a a free agent. Um, And, you know, we grind through that as a coaching staff. Um, We grind through that in the personnel department. We have conversations. I have conversations with Nick. He has conversations with D'Amico. And then uh, Nick and D'Amico kind of, you know, put their heads together and and lay out a plan of what we want to do going forward, and, and we'll see where that takes us. I've just gotten a text from the Texans that that is not Bobby Slowick. That is not anyone employed by the Houston Texans. That person does not speak for the Texans. Because if you were paying attention there, he committed a pretty blatant tampering violation. I, I mean, was just going to say. Thou shalt not, even though the 49ers don't care, they're not trying to keep him, right? They're not trying to keep him. They know he's leaving. But the way the tampering policy is written that is a textbook violation. Now, look, it didn't stop Bruce Arians from spouting off at the Combine three years ago. Yeah, I'm going to call Tom Brady and Phillip Rivers when free agency opens. But it is, a, it is a tampering violation. And the thing about tampering violations, they happen all the time. You never know when the NFL is going to decide to whack someone for it. But you're far more likely to get whacked than not if you're doing it blatantly. And if I'm the Dolphins, who lost a first-round pick last year for tampering with Tom Brady and Sean Payton, I'm probably calling the league office and saying, hey, because, you know, we see that all the time. A team gets hit for something that everyone does, so when anyone does it after that, they're like, hey, they did it too. Are they going to get punished? So, uh, anyway, uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) yes, that was a tampering violation, Miles. Yeah, yeah, it seemed like one. I mean, whenever you're talking about a guy who's soy pending free agent and not actually a free agent, that is technically tampering. And what you're supposed to say is I'm not supposed to talk about guys on other teams' rosters. And I guess that Bobby Slowick, who I probably has not done many press conferences because we didn't know who he was, and if the card hadn't shown what his name was, we wouldn't know him, then I guess he's not really gotten that press conference memo yet. But, I mean, that's a, it's a pretty soft tampering violation, but it is still tampering. Um, Now, regardless, what do they do about Jimmy G? You've got the connection with Nick Casario to Jimmy Garoppolo. Casario was the guy who who drafted him, although Bill Belichick runs the show in New England. But still, Casario was there. And, And sometimes familiarity is a bad thing because there continue to be periodically little trickles and tidbits and and nuggets of, you know, they they traded Jimmy Garoppolo for a reason. 
And there's that whole thing that pops up from time to time about how players on the team were upset in 2016 when Tom Brady was suspended. Garoppolo didn't play when he could have played. Those are all things that factor into the overall experience when you're making that decision. The bottom line is the guy can't stay healthy. I, right. You know, at running back, I say it's not the player's fault. It's the position. At quarterback, it's the player's fault. The rules are set up to keep you healthy. If you're consistently injured at the quarterback position, at a certain point, it is your fault. I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, injuries just kind of happen at a certain point. You know, all these things. Not when you are... drop your when you drop your shoulder, September 23, 2018 in Kansas City. You're running out of bounds, and you got to be tough guy meathead, and you drop your shoulder into a defensive back and tear your ACL in the process. That's on you. Okay, but I mean, all the rest of these things, are we really going to say that his foot injury was his fault that happened at the beginning of that game against the, was that against the Dolphins on December 4th, 2022? I don't think that's very fair, Mike. I don't know about all that. I mean, you, you oh, can that's say never one stopped thing, me in the past. I know, but you can say he's injury prone, which I mean, looking at the list, unfortunately, he just is an injury prone player, but I don't know if being injury prone is actually your fault or not. I think it just might be one of those things that happens. Well, when the rules are set up in your favor that thou shalt not be touched, I mean, you just got to get rid of the football. You can't hold it too long. I mean, the stuff we're saying about Tua, you got to learn how to fall. You got to learn how to get rid of the football. That, and as a quarterback, well, you've got this bubble around you that the rules provide. You got to take advantage of that. You got to work within that. Get out of bounds when you're running the football. Uh, get rid of the football before the walls close in. It's just all part of being a competent quarterback because it puts your your health at risk and you know, but for his injuries over the years, maybe the 49ers would have had a Super Bowl trophy by now. So, uh, but, but here's the bottom line. When you've got Tom Brady retired, when you've got Lamar Jackson subject to the non-exclusive franchise tag and no one interested, when you've got Aaron Rodgers going to New York, you know, the, the, the names are, are moving up the list and Jimmy Garoppolo is dangerously close to the top of the list, Miles. Yeah, well, especially because Derek Carr is now signed as well with the, the New Orleans Saints. So, yeah, yeah I mean, about him. Is, right, yeah. He's pretty much the Jimmy Garoppolo right now in terms of pending free agents is the top pending free agent at quarterback. And so, yeah, I mean, look, the health issues are one thing. The accuracy issues are another, and the inconsistent play is another. But, I mean, at least if he were to go to the Texans, let's say, and, you know, he's the bridge quarterback for Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, whoever it happens to be, then, I mean, you could get, you know, six-ish games out of him before either he gets injured or you want to replace him with the quarterback that you drafted at the top of uh, the first round so because you think that that player is your player of the future in the first place. That's the real question, wherever he signs. And the report is the Panthers, Texans, and Raiders are expected to have interest in Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, we know the Texans do, thanks to the, the person that they tell me is Bobby Slowick. But um, the risk you take is that you become this year's Mitch Trubisky. And there's always one of those guys every year that when yeah. he's signed, he's the starter. He's the guy. Go buy his jersey. You better buy it before the end of April because we're drafting somebody. And each of those three teams, you know, this could be like, and, and I, I feel like last year signing Trubisky was just enough by the Steelers to throw off the scent. Anyone drafting behind them with the 20th overall pick in the draft as to whether or not they really wanted Kenny Pickett. And it worked. Nobody jumped the line in front of them. Everybody kind of thought they're looking at Kenny Pickett. And uh, nobody jumped them. 
And if they didn't have Trubisky, it's more likely someone's going to jump them. You're a little more desperate going into the draft if you don't have a placeholder quarterback. So he becomes a pawn potentially, whether it's Trubisky last year, whether it's Garoppolo this year. And again, every year it's one of these guys that we think is the starter until they use a first-round pick to draft his replacement. And if I'm Garoppolo, I don't want that. And I don't know what kind of assurance you're really going to get on the way in. No one's going to tell Jimmy Garoppolo we're absolutely positively not going to add a quarterback in round one of the draft. They're just not going to do it. And the contract isn't going to scream out, I don't believe. There's no way in hell they're not going to take a quarterback. Hell, Geno Smith, three years 105, three years 75, more accurately. The Seahawks are still talking about taking a quarterback. Whether we believe it or not, it's not implausible for them to do it. So... I think whoever he signs with, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to spend the next five or six weeks wondering, is this a five or six week assignment when the season begins? Yeah. And frankly, I mean, based on his play and based on the injury history, I, I think that that's in line with what he should be expecting. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't know that he really should feel like he's earned anything else other than that kind of opportunity. And that's what well, it's been his role basically the last two years in San Francisco anyway. So it's not like it's going to be anything new to him. And remember what he said after the 2021 season? I wouldn't wish that on anyone. I Uh, wouldn't uh. wish that on anyone. And he still came back for more because there was no one Uh. else out there who wanted him. That's the thing. Here we are on the brink of free agency. I know last year when he was available via trade, there weren't many options. Uh, When he was about to be cut, there was no viable option. He made more money being the backup in San Francisco than he would have made anywhere else. Now, by then, the depth charts are set. We'll see. I, I Hey, I wouldn't be surprised if the Dolphins bring him in as the backup. Yeah. I mean, if w- Me wouldn't either. you rather, if you're Jimmy Garoppolo, wouldn't you rather go back up an injury-prone starter and you know your role from the get-go? Wouldn't you rather do that than go somewhere where, hey, I'm the starter until they draft my replacement? Now, you may get more money in that spot, but it may be a better spot to go reunite with Mike McDaniel and just bide your time for the inevitable Tua Tonga-Vailoa injury. It's, uh, it's, it's going to be an analysis that I think Jimmy Garoppolo eventually will have to engage in. All right, let's take a break. We'll have more PFT Live for you right after this. Nick Saban had some things to say about Bryce Young, who was measured officially at 5, 10, and 1 8 inch at the scouting combine, said Saban. We've all seen the 6'4", 225-pound guy that can throw it like a bazooka, but he can't make the choices and decisions. He can't distribute the ball. He can't throw it accurately. So who's the better bet? I'm going on history, production, performance, and Bryce Young's done it about as well as anybody. Now look, Nick Saban has a bias here because he coached him in college. Bottom line, all things equal, you want the larger quarterback. And Bryce Young is not Kyler Murray from the standpoint of, as Chris would say, three rockets up his butt. But, you know, hey, you can distribute the ball. You can see the field. You can do these things. But can you do it when you are looking around and over and under offensive linemen and defensive linemen at the NFL level? And they, they, they got some pretty big dudes in the SEC, so I don't know that it's going to be dramatically different, but that's part of the challenge for a shorter quarterback. I remember Drew Brees explaining. He, he had lanes that he would look through, almost like the holes for a running back. The lanes as the pass blockers set up, it creates lanes that you see through. You have gaps where you're just – and I don't know that a 6'4 guy is going to see well either when the offensive lineman's 6'7 and the 
Defensive lineman, 6'6", but still, you have to work those openings and you have to anticipate where guys are on the field when you can't always see them, and that's going to be part of the challenge for Bryce Young. And like every other guy who enters the NFL at the quarterback position, we don't know what he's going to do until he gets there. Certainly not, and there are always exceptions to the rules, right? I mean, there are subsets of data that teams look over, and it has to do with the combine, it has to do with your measurements, it has to do with all kinds of stuff, and then they put it together with the tape, and that's how they analyze a player, and they try to project what that player can be in the NFL. And so, yeah, if you want to make the comparison to Kyler Murray, I get it, but Bryce Young is still slighter than Kyler Murray, and if you look at him the way he's been on the field and is playing weight, he he looks slighter when he's on the field. So, you know, putting on that weight, it is what it is is but I, I guess when you're examining why he is the um the exception to the rule you got to figure out why you know because everybody is going to be pouring over the same tape but it is why is he going to be the exception like like an Aaron Donald you know he had all the production in college then he gets to the NFL and he does turn out to be the exception when it comes to size in in the league and dominance in the league and I don't know if Bryce Young is going to do that But what I do know is that these teams who are going to be picking high in the first round have got to be able to make sure they're delving into this guy so that they understand exactly why he's going to be an exception in the NFL. As Jaguars GM Trent Baalke shared with us last week, one of the Bill Parcells sayings, as the season goes on, fast guys get slower, but big guys don't get smaller. And size really is an issue for plenty of coaches. Even with Kyler Murray, it was a point Chris Sims made during the season. As it looked like Cliff Kingsbury was going to be in trouble, there may be coaches out there that want nothing to do with a shorter quarterback. And when when trade was a possibility for Kyler Murray as an alternative to giving him a big contract, there's going to be a lot of teams out there that would never even consider Kyler Murray. So that's going to be part of the problem, part of the challenge for a Bryce Young. All right, uh, let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, Lamar Jackson recently was referred to, and I think accurately so, as one of the faces of the NFL. We're going to have a little fun here. We're going to draft the, the top faces of today's NFL. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. I did apply to two Ivy schools and I got into both of them. So yeah. that is not a, that is the biggest brag that I've ever had on wow. air in anything in my life. Two weeks later, it's not, you know, too far from A to Z to get there. Right. We're already maybe on like D, C, E or whatever. I don't know. I just messed up the alphabet. Oh, no. Well, in fairness to Miles, they don't teach alphabetic Columbia. So uh, that was good. Well done. Great pull control room. Finding that clip. I have a feeling feeling that they marked that one when you said it for future reference. You you wrote the check then, and it came due today. So well done. They tell me that they did indeed. They did indeed flag that when you made that that comment back on February 22. That was a quick turnaround, too, man. I mean, that was within the hour. Well done. Well done, control room. I deserve that. <laughs> DCEF is right up there with Apollonia and the Godfather. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday. All right, it is Thursday, and uh, today's draft. The current faces of the NFL, inspired by the reality that Lamar Jackson, one of the faces of today's NFL, is available, non-exclusive franchise tag anyone can talk to him and nobody wants to talk to him so who are the faces of the nfl miles i'll give you the first crack at it 
Although the first one is pretty obvious and it's Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he is the face of the NFL right now and he should be. He's won two MVP awards. He has now won uh, two Super Bowl MVP awards. He is the best player in the NFL and he's the face of the NFL. You know, he's got commercials. He's got this. He's got that. He's got shoes. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is that dude. And I love watching Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, I think we all do. And at a certain point, you just got to just kind of say congratulations to your greatness, man, and just surrender to the fact that he is absolutely the face of the NFL. Without question, I think that that he has a gap significant between him and anyone else. Uh, He's great, and he's only getting better, and he's going to be around for a long time. And he carries that that distinction very well as i yes. said when we were interviewing andy reed or brett veach last week we had both and i can't remember which one i said it to he's never changed either that's that's what adds to the greatness he's a, just a normal guy he likes to drink beer hang out with his family he doesn't put on airs he doesn't act like a big shot he's always been the same guy and i think he'll always be that guy by the point where he's at now i don't see him changing all right i, I gotta go with joe burrow I, okay. I mean, he's the baby face killer of the NFL. Um, he, he's he's the present and the future. He's the guy who's three and one against Patrick Mahomes and almost got back to the Super Bowl for the second straight year. And he's got that distinctive way about him. He's got that that confidence that doesn't come off as brash or cocky. He just kind of states things as they are. And and he's you know, he's got every right to do it because he always backs it up, especially when the postseason rolls around. So he's here to stay as well. I think we found our new Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, and it is Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow. I could not agree with you more. And I think, you know, last year after that Chiefs Bills playoff game, we might have thought it would be Joe Burrow, excuse me, we might have thought it would be Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. But I think Joe Burrow has proven over the last two years that he really should be the one um, that's in that conversation. Uh, for my next pick, you know, I'm going to go with Jalen Hurts because I think that him being the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles is one of the league's most popular teams. And the fact that he just led his team to the Super Bowl is going to continue to propel him up. And look, he's in line to get a lot of money this offseason. And I think that's only going to help him. We're going to probably see him get more endorsement deals as well. So Jalen Hurts, I think, is really going to transition into being one of the faces of the NFL. I think you're absolutely right. And he's, he is going to be one of these guys who gets a contract that's going to blow us away. And he's only getting better. And he is also proven to be a great member of the community. He's very involved in Philadelphia. He's a great leader. He's a great person. And we should want to prop up the people who behave in a way that we want to emulate ourselves and that we definitely want the younger generation to follow. All right, the next one for me, and I've, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a bias here. We have to go with someone other than a quarterback. And, and this we is do. a guy whose face quite often is obscured by the tail end of the gritty. My guy, Justin Jefferson, best receiver okay. in the NFL, the future. I, I, I just, I got, I got I got to go with, I got to go with JJ. He's, he's my guy. Uh, and again, Think about it. Beyond quarterbacks, there aren't many guys who stand out. And I think he's one of the ones who currently stands out. He had a year last year that put him in the MVP conversation. He finished fifth. He was the highest non-quarterback in that group. So uh, I'll go Justin Jefferson. We're going to take a break. We have time to contemplate pick number three for each of us. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this.
All right, one more round. Faces of the NFL. Miles, you're up. You know what? This is where I'll, I'll put uh, Lamar Jackson. I, I will, because I, I think that he really is one of the premier quarterbacks in the league. And even though we haven't seen him in the playoffs in the last couple of years, we all know what he's capable of. And when he plays, it's must-see TV. So that's where I would put Lamar Jackson in the conversation. I had gone into this segment intending to make Bill Belichick my final pick. And think about it. He's been around forever. Greatest coach of all time, arguably. He's just always there, fixture in the NFL. And also, he's one of the two faces on the cover of my book, Playmakers, which is still available wherever you buy your books. But I'm going in a different direction. Spurred by the fact that we just got a text from uh, the, the PFT text chain, MDS is posting that Patriots radio analyst Scott Zolak says Tom Brady to the Dolphins is still a possibility. Tom Brady is still a face of the NFL. I don't care if he's retired. He isn't going anywhere. He's going to be the number one analyst at Fox someday, we think. And until a full season goes by without Tom Brady playing football, I'm not going to even begin to believe he's done. And I know that he's never said anything to suggest it. He's got a kitten to raise, for Christ's sake. I mean, of course he's not going to come back and play. What kind of a dumb joke was that from him the other day? So he's in play, and he doesn't know it yet. I think he's going to wake up one day, Miles, in June or July, and he's going to decide he's coming back. That's what I think. You know what else I think, Miles? I think you did a great job today, and I think we're done. Thanks for some of your time, everybody. We'll see you on Friday. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.